When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome everybody into another edition of the PHNX Suns Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Esposito. Ahoy, ahoy. And we are brought to you as always by our friends over at DraftKings, America's number one sports book. It's DraftKings, and they have a great offer for you right now. You bet one dollar on any football game this week, and you are going to get two hundred dollars in free bets that you can place on anything. It is a spectacular way to get to know uh, your gambling app here in town. Make sure to use that code PHNX when you sign up to get that free $200 when you bet $1 on any football game. And I am excited, as always, to be joined by Saul Bookman. Saul, how are you? Good. You were expecting me to introduce you in some other way? No, no. I was, <laughs> was kind of wondering why you read the, the read twice. That's all. Just to, so people remember. <laughs> Just to reinforce the fact do. that they need to yeah, put a dollar on any uh, on any football any game. Football, yeah, football game. Use the code PHNX. I, Tom, I got to give my man a hard time. Got- so I apologize. <laughs> Guys, I'm on, I'm on the clock here. I'm I know that's what I'm saying. We got 15 minutes. He spends five minutes on an intro. Let's go, bud. Fine, I'll just. I change. thought the sponsor of the show was Saul's Short Shorts. There you go. There <laughs> this you is go. why it's the audio only version go. because you can't. Because we see get that. too many subscribers if we were showing this shit right now. <laughs> and also joining me, the Emmy Award winning Lindsay oh, Smith. It's in her contract to <laughs> no, say it. No, it's not. No, it's not. I appreciate it. Hi, guys. <laughs> and uh, a man who's not in the room with us, but dialing in, Gerald Bourget. Gerald, a nerd. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys in the studio today? <laughs> Good. And our esteemed guest today. You already heard his voice because Saul decided to bring him in before we introduced him. But he is uh, one of our favorites. He's Suns broadcaster, Tom Leander. Tom, how are you? I'm good, man. Congrats on this new gig, everybody. I was telling you, you uh, before we started recording that I saw it on Twitter and I was, I was excited for you guys. It sounds like a really cool venture. So good luck and thanks for having me on early to kill ratings. Uh, you, are, you are the first guest. We had really? to test it. Yeah, you're the first guest. But why you're on is because we had to test all the technology before we have Cam Johnson on tomorrow. So we had to- <laughs> I was going to say, Al McCoy didn't return your call. Neither did Chambers or EJ. <laughs> no, you were first. Okay, you were second when I reached out to somebody yesterday. <laughs> there is a truth. There, there is a a good reason though. You spent the weekend in Springfield, Massachusetts, at the induction uh, for Cotton Fitzsimmons into the Hall of Fame. What was it like to be there and be a part of that for a man who meant so much to this franchise? Man, it was uh, it was really special. I mean, it was a special. For all of us um, to be there for Joanne, especially, and uh, see just the the brightness in her smile, and you know there was laughter and there was tears. But uh, man, uh, we she had a brunch 
in Springfield the morning of the induction ceremony on Saturday and Charles showed up and EJ and KJ and TC was there and uh, Mike Woodson who played for him in Kansas City and just lots of friends and family Jim Brewer and his wife were there and Jackie Alonzo I mean a lot of Suns employees so it was a, a full room and uh, full of like I said a, a lot of laughter um, Charles obviously stole the show at one point right as he walked in he was of course 30 minutes later so but we were happy to have him um, he walked over to little Joanne Fitzsimmons who's probably what four foot nine and literally picked her up in the air and swung her around it was uh there's some really good pictures of that charles didn't hurt himself doing that no <laughs> well then about 20 minutes later there was a group photo of just the players and tc got him pretty good because charles sat at one end of the couch and tc's like man this thing's gonna flip <laughs> Is that why he sat on the other end? <laughs> <laughs> nice, Lindsay. I will make sure I tell Tom Chambers you said that. <laughs> you you also you had uh, you were kind enough to share share some photos with me, but you had you had a a great piece of cotton memorabilia that you got to wear to the uh, to the ceremony. What was that? Well, it was a tie that Joanne gave me. Uh, maybe six months or a year after cotton passed she went into the closet and uh, she pulled out a bunch of cotton's old ties and passed them around to some of the broadcasters and other people within the sun's organization so uh mine was kind of, it's kind of a christmas tie but it's not you know, green and red it's got a bunch of reindeers but it's pretty abstract so it actually kind of worked with the suit coat and it meant a lot to joanne that i wore that uh ceremony Tom, how close were you to Cotton? You know, how many how many times have you guys ever, you know, conversed on the side or did you guys go out a lot or, you know, what was your relationship like with, with him? You know, it started actually uh, the couple of years before I officially joined the Suns. I worked for a production company that did all the halftime features for the Suns. So, man, I did a ton of, you know, community pieces with him. I went out on a, a babysitting night with uh, he and Joanne. They babysat uh, for Danny Zalisco, who's the concert promoter. He actually bid on it at the Courtside Classic in like 1989, 1990, um, bid on Joanne and Cotton coming to his house and babysitting for their four-year-old daughter. So that was the first time um, that I met Cotton and Joanne. I was in the limo with them going to Danny Zalisco's house and then limo heading back and then three or four hours at his house. But after that, I obviously had a chance to work with Cotton um, in the broadcasting world. We did some games together, uh, filled in for Al McCoy and Gary Bender a couple times and had a chance to do some games with Cotton. And, and then after that, you know, just working on many of the broadcasts on Cox and KUTP, um, sitting in the press room with him. So hours and hours and tons of great memories. So Tom, I'm wondering, do you feel like Cotton has any sort of similarities to Monty as far as just the positive outlook on life and the way that he really invests in his players? Yeah, definitely, Lindsay. I mean, the family atmosphere that uh, Monty has reignited with the team. And uh, like, like I said in the article, too, I really think it started with, you know, Jerry Colangelo and Joni and then um, the McLeods when John McLeod took over and, um, and his wife and then Cotton and Joanne and, and uh, kind of reinstituting that family atmosphere. Um, but I think they're different personality wise. I mean, Cotton just he loved the cameras. He loved talking to everybody. Not that Monty doesn't, but Monty's, you know, he's not as open, I think, sometimes with either the media or, I mean, he's great with them, but it's Cotton was like a different animal. I mean, he just loved it. He asked to, you know, sometimes stopping people on the sidewalk or just uh, generating conversation. Um, and and Monty, definitely, that's a, it's a different kind of a personality, but still warm and friendly. But Cotton, man, I mean, that guy was 
Uh, he was the conductor uh, of everything, whether it be the broadcast or in the locker room with his players and just in general being around him, there was just such an electricity about him. Tom, for such an outgoing personality like Cotton, I mean, I'm sure you probably have tons of memories of him and I hate to put you on the spot, but do you have a favorite memory of, of the time that you spent with Cotton and, and interacting with him on the job? Oh man, Gerald, there's a, yeah, so many different ones. I think I, you know, one of the things that I brought up in the article too, there were a couple. First, it was the first time I did a play-by-play -play game for the Suns and he was my color analyst. And I was intimidated, first of all, to try to do NBA play-by-play. -play. Secondly, to sit next to Cotton, um, just not because he was intimidating me, but just because of his presence and his background and having been the coach of the team. Um, and he just guided me through it. you know. And that was such a, an important part of my career because it could have ended uh, after one year with the Suns, but Cotton kind of picked up the pieces and made the broadcast somewhat professional. Um, so I, I'll never forget that. Uh, but I, again, there were so many other times, especially like the babysitting thing, where you get to see him out of his element and you get to see him just, you know, there, there was nothing fraudulent about Cotton Fitzsimmons. You would see him, you know, after a game and he'd be talking to the media and so lively and you're like, oh, okay, he's got to have his quiet moments. Well, even when you think you'd be around him in quiet moments, he was still the life of the party. So <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll never forget that babysitting uh, event because it was the first time I met him and I saw just kind of the genuine cotton and I saw his love for Joanne and uh, man, those two, she has been so loyal to him over all the years. He's been gone 17 years and, you know, every day she gets up and she thinks about cotton and thinks about how she can help spread the spirit of cotton. I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. You know, one of the things I loved uh, about Cotton from from a fan's perspective was he seemed like the one of the few personalities that could actually stand up to Charles Barkley's personality in this franchise's history. I remember, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, it's not the exact quote, but when Charles came to town, he basically made it clear this wasn't the building that that Charles built because they were opening AWA, uh, that he just happened to be kind of invited to, to be there. And I just, I loved that because you had Charles Barkley on the court that was such a big uh, you know, personality, but then you had Cotton off the court that that was an interesting balance as well with that. Do you think he was one of the, uh, the biggest personalities in franchise history? Oh, I think the two of them both are. They're, they're probably top two, top three themselves. But when they were together, they made just such an unbelievable combination, especially with all the times that Cotton would interview him for Cotton's Corner or the Cotton Express and there's all the different shows that Cotton did. And the fact that, you know, he talked a lot about how much golf they played together over the years and the trash talking. So, but it all was based on the respect that Cotton and Charles had for each other. I mean, Charles certainly toward Cotton, respecting who he was, what he had done for the NBA and the Suns organization, and Cotton respecting Charles' talent, his personality. And then when the two of them came together, it was just, it was fireworks. Uh, that's why I said some of the shows back in the, you know, early 90s, mid 90s, when the, those two guys were together on camera going back and forth. You know, nowadays you, you wonder, like sometimes when Shaq and Barkley go at it, you're like, God, do those guys hate each other or what's going on? You know, Cotton and Charles would go at each other, but it was in such a fun loving way that you knew right after the show was over, man, they were a big bear hug and, and they were off to whatever they were going to do. But a lot of times it was doing it together with Maureen and Joanne. You know, I, I, T Tom, it's been it's been a couple months now since the end of the season. 
Uh, we're about to get into, you know, some of our favorite things from this past year before we kind of uh, close the curtain on on this wonderful season to move on. What's the biggest takeaway after kind of sitting back and, and watching this past season that you had? Uh, that's a great question, Saul. And I'm I'm actually glad over the last two days I've been going over a script. It's kind of like looks like it's the grapes of wrath. It's one of the longest scripts <laughs> I've ever seen. It's a it's gonna be an hour-long special um that Suns Productions is putting together. And Mark Goldberg and Bob Adlock uh, sent me the script and just asked for, you know, any tweaks or things. And it was it's I'm still going through it in day three. Um, but it, it just reminded me of two major things. And I, I told that to Mark and Bob. I said, you know, the two things that we need to stress in this special, aside from obviously Chris Paul, his impact on the team, Devin Booker's greatness, it was the rise of DeAndre Ayton in the playoffs. That to me was one of my huge takeaways. And I was sitting there. Unfortunately, we really didn't do much broadcast work after the first round. Um, the Nationals took over. So I sat home as a fan and I'm just looking at the TV. I'm sitting with my son or my wife going, oh, my, look at DeAndre. He's like making everybody pass in the lane. Everybody who comes in the lane is intimidated by him. He's jumping after rebounds. He's swatting shots. He's dunking with with force. I mean, it just blew my mind. And obviously the other guys in Cam, campaign Cam, Johnson, Mikel, I mean, they all contributed, but it was DA's just his growth and maturity in those playoffs and consistency. And then the second thing was the fans. I mean, it felt like we were back in the seven seconds or less era. It felt like we were back in the Barkley days or the Cotton Express days or, heck, 1976 when all the fans um, met the Suns players uh, at the airport at Sky Harbor. Um, so it was watching the fans and again, being able to be a fan, I went across the street to the old hard rock cafe, uh, for pregame about an hour before the game. I mean, literally they had like a drum band come through there. They had singers. They had, the place was just packed. Like you barely wedge yourself in there. And I'm like, what is happening? This, this just seems like it happened so quickly, but it was also so beautiful and incredible to see that, that passion and the sun spirit come alive again. If you had to pick one moment from this past season that you would say is one of your top, what would it be? Mm -hmm. Boy, I, I think I'd be probably tortured if I didn't see the Valley Oop. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that play to DeAndre just kind of captured, again, his presence, um, the trust that Monty had in him. Um, and obviously you throw it up above the rim, but you know, you still have to tell him you can dunk that thing. That is not a goaltend. You can't goaltend it from out of bounds. Jay Crowder's perfect pass. And poor Jay is probably the one guy left out. I mean, we're always like, oh yeah, and Jay Crowder had a big impact too. I mean, Jay Crowder was immense for the Suns all season long, but we talk about the cams and you know, we talk about Mikel and we obviously Paul and Booker and DA, but man, that pass by Jay Crowder. I mean, I don't, you give him another hundred cracks at it. I'm not sure he could put it right there again. It was just you know, unbelievable. That one, the one of the best passes of all time <clears throat> and, yeah. and nobody will yeah. talk about it because it wasn't behind the back or off somebody's elbow or a no look. It, mm -hmm. The oh, degree the of difficulty up. on that pass is yeah. unlike any other in NBA history. Well, you only get one argument from probably one person. Can you guess who that would be? <laughs> Dragon Bender. Yeah, he passed it in oh, to Tyson, right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one person that remembers Dragon Bender. Congratulations, Tom. I'm still on the island out here, but unfortunately, there was 45 other passes that did not go yeah. the right way. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no, I wanted to keep the spirit of Dragon alive. <laughs> I'm, I'm stranded out here on Bender Island, all by my lonesome. So, oh, thank you for throwing me a lifeboat here, Tom. <laughs> Tom, after this off season, I mean, looking ahead to this season. The Suns had such a great year, 
took a lot of people by surprise. What did you think of their summer moves and what are kind of your expectations after their off season that they had? No, I thought it was perfect. I mean, don't tinker with a good thing. You can make some adjustments as much as I hated to see Javon Carter go. I know he didn't play much, but God, he was such a stalwart on the bench and his support, um, his loyalty to the team, like he and Langston Galloway and Etwan Moore. I mean, did you ever hear a negative word out of any of those guys? No, if anything, they were cheerleading and they were the guys up. So, you know, it's hard to see all three of those guys leave. But, you know, I've always been a big fan of Landry Shamit and uh, and JaVale McGee. I think everybody's on board with that move. I mean, it's a great defensive guy. I think he's going to be a heck of a personality on this team. So we didn't mess with the chemistry on the squad, uh, but we, I think we filled in some of the holes. So I feel really good. Although, you know, at the same time, when I was uh, putting together the Cotton Fitzsimmons article, I was calling some players from the past and Kurt Rambis was one of them because he ran a fantasy camp with Cotton back in the day. And I'm like, Kurt, you know what? I hate you. What? Come on, man. How many guys are you going to put on this Lakers team? Because he's a consultant works in the front <laughs> office now for the Lakers. So it, it's hard not to look around the league and go, oh, man, if Brooklyn's healthy, healthy, that's going to be difficult if we get to the finals and even the West with what the Lakers have done. But I'll fall back on our coaching staff, the chemistry, these guys being together um, for, gosh, now, you know, most of them third year. And I think that's going to pay huge dividends. And again, we're so stacked and so deep. Um, that even, like I said, bringing in an Alfred Payton. So I think the Suns are going to probably look to rest Chris Paul a lot more during the regular season. They could see, you saw what campaign can do as a starter, and now you got Alfred behind him. So you've seen them make some moves that everybody's going to be on board with, but it's just the cohesiveness, the chemistry, and the continuity that um, is going to give us a chance again. Had Kurt's age, he could add himself to the Lakers roster and would fit right in. Uh, <laughs> exactly. He might have just enough left in the tank. Well, well Tom. I mean, their roster must have 25 spots. Like, what is it? They guys. Like, their, their average age is 46 right now. I know. So that, we'll see I hope they, they all break down. <laughs> well, Tom, I appreciate your time. I know everybody here does. Thanks for uh, giving us a little insight into what it was like in Springfield at the Hall of Fame induction for Cotton Fitzsimmons. If you want to read Tom's piece, head over to sons.com. Check it out. It is spectacular. A nice look back, especially if you're of the younger generation and not overly familiar with Cotton Fitzsimmons. Uh, highly recommend it. You'll get uh, a good sense of everything he meant to the franchise. Tom, thanks uh, for joining us, man. All thanks, right. Buddy. Sometime next time I talk to you, I'll tell you about how Tom Chambers and I crashed Chris Bosch's Hall of Fame party. It's <laughs> unbelievable. That is what we call it. Right that is what we call a tease in the business. So next time Tom's on, we'll make sure to get that. Have a have a good afternoon, Tom. We uh, keep we keep the train rolling here and you know, it's it's always fun to talk to somebody like Tom Leander and get that inside view on things as always. I don't have a good transition to DraftKings, so I'm just going to read the ad this time. I, I, was, I was pressing there for I thought it. you already got the second ad read in. I've changed my name to Greg. $1, $1 bet to get $200 free Esposito, just so we get it in there. But DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, app is live here in phoenix and in this week only if you bet one dollar on any football game i still don't know if cfl is included we'll find out on that 
for you. So, but any football game, you're going to get $200 in free bets. It's just that simple. Use the code PHNX at sign up. You're going to get that offer. And they're also giving customers who sign up now a shot to double their money if the car or if Arizona or Minnesota scores one point during Sunday's football game. One point, you're going to double your money. Let's just say I put some scratch down on that one myself in the app last night. So download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code PHNX. Receive $200 in free bets. Sweet, sweet cash. Sweet, (laughs) sweet money. I feel betrayed. (laughs) Gerald's Gerald's sweet, sweet cotton. He's like, that was my thing. Gerald, you you can win some sweet, sweet cash to be able to buy a, a membership to read Gerald's sweet, sweet, sweet content, content. Go. on GoPHNX. Go. So, yeah, get, use that GoPHNX on the DraftKings app. <laughs> get that special offer. 21 and older, older Arizona-only gambling problem called 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only for free bet promotion. Win five minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. Eligibility restrictions apply. Max $50 wager for no-brainer offer. I still love that they put no-brainer offer in the legal copy. One per customer. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. That's right. And if you want to read that sweet, sweet content that Gerald puts out (laughs) on a regular basis, all you have to do is become a member at GoPHNX.com. Because becoming a member not only gets you access to Gerald's sweet, sweet content, but all of our written content. It also gets you exclusive member-only deals on merchandise every week. And if you haven't seen our merchandise yet, you can go look at it at phnxlocker.com. It'll also get you access to our members-only Discord, where you can kind of, you know, get away from social media and talk with the diehards. You can talk with all of us on there. It's... We finally got Lindsay in there. I know. I finally yeah, I know she was me. kind of in there already. And then she wasn't. And then she was. I was having technical difficulties. It was kind of difficult. Th- yes. Things go down in the discord is all I like to say. So. Yes. But for real, if you guys love what we're doing over here and you want to help support us on this journey, become a member today again at gophnx.com. And uh, if you become a member, you'll either get your free T-shirt for signing up, which you can pick from a few that we've got already up on the site, or you can get your first month for just 50 cents, depending on what which option you choose. Oh, so I, I don't know what I want more, the sweet, sweet T-shirts or the sweet, sweet content from, from Gerald. <laughs> the T-shirts. All right. It's, That's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, I won't be them. mad if you pick the t-shirts. It's fine. <laughs> Gerald, what are you, what are you, what are you working on for this week? Uh, for this week, I think I'm starting on a what if series. So the greatest sons, what ifs in franchise history, because I just felt inspired by Marvel. What if I've been having a lot of fun with that show. So I want to cool. do something on that. And then uh, I'm definitely going to be writing something about Cam Johnson after we get to talk to him tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that. How- how does Chris Paul wind up as Captain America in your what if? That's what I <laughs> what I want to know. So he doesn't I can't give it away. Strong. He doesn't because you have to have a strong right wrist. Oh, oh my god. Oh, I love you, CP3. Oh, I'm just joking around. Wow. Glad he's not our guest tomorrow. That'd be awkward. <laughs> Some people say that I'm salty on this show. Salty, yes. Yeah. I'm just teasing. Just just, You're just salt, yeah. and we just love teasing. it. All right. You guys want to go into our uh, favorite moments? Our topic the of the day. 2021 season. <laughs> Absolutely. I yes. feel like there's so many to choose from. Mm-hmm. Eh. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> there's more I than a few. I enjoyed this one. Well, okay. So just 
Gerald, why don't we let you start because you're you're awkwardly staring at us uh, through a camera there. Uh, what what was your favorite memory? I mean, I feel like we're all going to be in agreement that probably the best moment was the value just because, I mean, that's automatically one of the greatest Suns moments of all time, not just of this playoff run, but ever like that. The last two minutes of that game legitimately took 45 minutes. It was so like just nerve wracking being in the building and just like trying to cover that game. And then that final play happens and it's just pure elation. And like that, that Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon meme that went viral, yeah. it went viral for a reason because that's exactly how it felt for every person in the arena. Just the explosion of sound. Like I've never experienced a sporting moment like that in any sport. Um, and that, that was just incredible. So I, I feel like that's probably going to be a pretty common one to pick, but I'll, I'll open it up if anyone has any other ideas because I, I feel like that's number one, but there were so many good moments from this playoff run that it's hard to just talk about the value. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the value, I mean, that's the easiest one to go, go at, I think, but I'm I'm actually going to go way, way back um, to January. I believe it was January. It's been so long. Um, when Devin Booker hit the buzzer beater in Dallas, um, mm -hmm. I felt like in that game, you know, the Suns, they, they weren't playing at the top of the, you know, top of their game yeah i think i believe they were 500 at that point um and then devin booker hits the shot to basically seal that game it was at the buzzer obviously it sealed the game and i just felt like from that moment the suns were like yeah like we should dominate teams like this and we're really good like mm -hmm. there's no reason why we this should this game should have even been competitive and from that point on as we all know like they took off and I think they won something like 20 out of the next like 24, 25 games. And I just felt like that was kind of a turning point. Um, and, and it had to be because you had CP3. He's doing his thing. Uh, he's getting everybody involved. But Devin Booker still Devin Booker. And Devin Booker still going to be the guy that is going to take your last second shot. And I, I just thought that was kind of a turning point. So that was kind of one of my favorite parts of this season. You know, they're – there's a couple. I think the one that stands out, obviously, like we said, the value oop is, is in a category in and of itself, but game one against the Lakers and the way that they came out, even despite the Chris Paul injury in that game and one was at least for me, a mental turning point because it, it kind of felt like, Oh, this is a nice Cinderella story, but you're facing the defending champs in the first round you know, they, they tried to, to get in position to play, play the Suns, you know, and it felt like, okay, well, maybe this was a fun regular season run and we'll, we'll get a series out of it. But when they beat the Lakers in game one and saw, we were out at a, at a sports bar watching it, which was really the first time I'd been out around other human beings yeah. since the pandemic yeah. had started too. Uh, I think that that to me sticks out as a, as a massive moment because you could feel the city start to believe after that game. So, so that one was big for me. And then personally getting to go to game two of the finals uh, meant a lot, you know, it, to me and being able to experience that in person, that's a moment I'll never forget personally uh, as part of this journey as well. I really enjoyed being able to go to a couple of these playoff games. It was, it just was so different than every game that I've experienced. <laughs> 
for sure. Ever. <laughs> and it for was, sure. yeah. it was really cool. Of course, the, the value game was awesome. But even like you said, the two finals games before they went out East was, it was so much fun to just be there mm -hmm. and to feel that environment. I really like one of, I mean, one of my favorite things to see was again, Tom touched on this too, the way the fans showed up, yes. like the fans welcoming home the team at the airport after um, we swept the nuggets. That was really cool. And I, I think it's hilarious that the airport was like, no more. You guys can't come back. <laughs> Don't show up. <laughs> because because they showed up in droves. It was yeah. it was that exciting for this fan base. And it was cool to see like DeAndre and hanging out of the window yeah. in the car. And Devin was excited. It was cool until Chris Paul came down with COVID and had to sit out. <laughs> and, and everybody yeah. started wondering, oh, was it because we were crowding the airport? Should we have like, not have done that? Damn it. <laughs> Do we think it was from that? I have no idea. I'm not even going to speculate on that. Uh, but it was it was cool. I, I didn't go. Um, but just seeing that on yeah. social media and all yeah. the different people that were out there and how excited they were, like, I really enjoyed that. If we talk about like the, the biggest plays versus uh, the biggest impact or biggest moment, um, I feel it's something to that degree. Um, I, I I think I was I was really blown away because I remember the run in 92, 93. And I remember the demographics here in this city, in this state of, of people that were supporting the Suns. And to see where we've come from 92, 93 to 2021. And I mean, the influx of young people that were all in on the Suns really basically at, towards the end of the season. And then, uh, you know, the, the different, uh, the diversity in, in that, in, in the Suns community in general, like I, I was really taken back and I was like, wow, like this is really, really cool because this isn't, this isn't your grandpa's sons. Like mm -hmm. it just isn't, or even your dad's sons. But I hesitate to say that because I'm kind of, I'm that yeah. demographic. <laughs> so, um, you know, but, and so that, that, that youth of, and that infusion of diversity and youth, I think is just, it was remarkable. It was really remarkable. And I, I, I get chills just thinking about it to this day about, you know, where this franchise is going and what this community means for this franchise and how other teams like the Coyotes and the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals um, can try to capitalize on that kind of just that excitement. You know, yeah. right. It, it had just been so long in the way that the city was buzzing and the way that it came alive. Like I, I've never experienced anything like that. And I had gone to a couple of playoff games back in 2010, back when I was college. And, and that was really special, but this was just something different. And I, I feel like maybe the pandemic contributed to that. Cause like Espo was saying for a lot of people, this was the first time going to sports games again after being shut in for like a year but and the you know 11 year playoff drought probably didn't hurt either but <laughs> it was just so much fun every game felt like a party in that arena like it was just an incredible environment and you had all these amazing performances like you know Chris Paul closing out the clippers and and Devin Booker finally getting his seven threes and then you know 40 point triple double like there's all these incredible games that each one felt like a special moment in its own way it was just unlike anything i've ever experienced as, as a fan or as someone covering a team. I feel like this probably makes me a sick man. And you can tell me that if it's oh. the case, it's nothing <laughs> awful. Saul's got a huff and puff about. I, one of my favorite moments was when uh, Patrick Beverly 
shoved Chris Paul because you knew they had <laughs> broken the Clippers at that point. They had yep. just the, the Clippers had snapped at that point to where they even knew it was over. And there was something enjoyable about that because Patrick Beverly had been such a pest in that series, so annoying, such a thorn in the side of so many sons that just knowing that was he, he even knew he was over his skis at that point. I, I enjoyed that for a I mean, for I sick think reason. you could say there's one of those for each playoff round. Like yeah. you yeah. had Jokic getting tossed, right? LeBron <laughs> walking straight off the court. And the salsa dance moment right. with Jay Crowder. Yes. I mean, I think yeah. I think this Suns team really upset a lot of people who maybe came in thinking this will be a lot easier than what they expected. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's something else. But. No, I, I agree. And I think – I think it was underrated how much of an irritant they were. As Suns fans, we were used to being the team that faced a group that got under your skin so much like that, mm -hmm. the Spurs of the past, former Lakers teams. But th this past year's Suns team was that group, that group that just drove other teams and fan bases nuts. And it was awesome. I think Jay, Jay Crowder's salsa dance in the Lakers series so is probably an underrated moment too. <laughs> I still can't get over the fact that the Suns made the finals. <laughs> like every time I think about it, it, every way I possible, I'm like, how? Like this wasn't even in the realm of possibility to begin last year. Everybody was just like, just make the playoffs. And then it changed to, okay, they should easily be a three to six seed. No, no worse than, than six. And then it was like, oh shit, we might be the top team in the West. What's going on here? And it just kind of just elevated each and every month. It was something different. <laughs> then you get to the Western Conference Finals, and you're like, "Oh my God, we are literally one game away from the from the NBA Finals." And they crapped the bed in Game Five, and you're kind of worried. And then Chris Paul just absolutely goes off in Game Six. And I still remember the you know the way I felt when that all happened. I just sat there and I'm watching watching TV, and I have my kids around, and I'm like holy shit like this this just fucking happened like <laughs> what like this is awesome you know and it, it kind of reminds me of of what the cardinals did in 0809 where it came yeah. out of nowhere you didn't really expect it you know especially after they got blown out against new england on the road by like 50 yeah. points and you're like this has got to be the worst you know playoff team of all time and then they're two minutes and 37 seconds away from a Super Bowl championship. And that's how that's how close it felt for us, too. We yeah. were right there, especially in game five. And so that that's that's kind of my other takeaway is just seeing how even though they lost and they didn't win the, the NBA championship, and that hurts, right? It didn't hurt nearly as bad as the Bulls series because of the way we lost against Paxson. Um, but it, it was also because it was like, wow, this everything about this season exceeding ex expectations yeah. and if you lived in the moment like we all should have you appreciated the journey and where we were at, at that moment because we all remember just three seasons ago two seasons ago this team couldn't even win 20 games yeah. so it was pretty pretty awesome yeah, i agree did I, I i know Lindsay and gerald haven't heard this but have i told you my valley oop story about that game i don't think i have so i'll, I'll tell so that obviously that play took forever before it happened, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's all the reviews and everything. I was at home. My wife and daughter had gone out to meet some friends. So I'm sitting there and, and obviously, you know, typical fanboying about it. Uh, and, and 
I, I hear the garage open and my wife runs in and basically is like, I heard it on the radio. I had to get row with my daughter home so she could see it with you. She's four. And we've been watching the games together. So we watch it. She freaks out. She's so excited. So I go up to, to podcast with you guys and I get a text from my wife. I just almost ripped the door off the car in the garage uh, it's all messed up. And I was like, what, what happened? Well, she had gotten so excited that she parked the car outside of the garage, left, left the door open when she took my daughter out, didn't realize it. I went to pull the car in and almost snapped the door <laughs> oh off. My I was so excited. I didn't even get mad or be like, Oh my God, we're going to have to, I was like, it's fine. The sun just won a crazy game. Who cares about the car? You know, like I felt like that, that whole, it, it, for me, it embodied the whole run because it was like, it uplifted the entire city. It was like to hell with a global pandemic to hell with 11 years out of the playoffs. Let's just enjoy this. You know, like and that was a moment for me that, uh, that I found, uh, to be entertaining. So we're talking playoffs though. And yesterday we talked a little mercury and I was looking at the DraftKings app. All right. Do you realize that the mercury are plus 1500 to win the WNBA championship? Just, just behind Seattle, right? Uh, no, they're, they're behind a, a bunch of teams. Connecticut is uh is at a minus 125, I think to win. There's like four or five teams above them at plus 1500 with, Diana Trazi, like we talked about, yeah. the GOAT, Skylar Diggins-Smith, and Brittany Griner. And they just won like 10 out of yeah, the last yeah, 11. They're yeah. on fire. Yeah, And hung, hung tough with Connecticut. I'm shocked on that number. If I'm uh, – if I'm, well, you know what? I, I am. I'm going to get on the app, but I think I'm going to put some money down on that. You know, because right now if you use code PHNX when you sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app and you bet $1 on any football game, you're going to get 200 in bonus bets and – I think that fit plus fifteen hundred is one hell of a bet to put some money down on because we talked about how great DT is. Brittany Griner has been unbelievable this yeah, year for sure, uh, and and Diggin Smith is is one of the best in the game. That's a whole hell of a lot of talent to bet against, and some uh, I think the the odds makers may be a little down on them because they've dealt with some injury issues, but that's a, that's a bet that I like looking at that, looking at that app. So, you know, uh, thanks to our special guest, Tom Leander on the program today. Great to hear from him and hear about his experience at the hall of fame reminder tomorrow, a two o'clock yeah, when baby. we come to you live, no. we're going to have cam Johnson. Cam. That's right. Cam. Wow. Thunder cam, <laughs> lightning cam, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call him. He's going to be coming on the program. Uh, so tweet us any questions you might have. Tweet us at PHNX underscore Suns if you have questions or if you're one of our members. Hit us up in the Discord. We might ask some of your questions to Cam Johnson tomorrow. So make sure to follow Gerald on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. You can follow Saul Bookman at Saul underscore Bookman, Lindsey Smith, Lindsey Smith AZ. You can follow me at Espo. And we'll talk to you tomorrow here on the PHNX Suns podcast. Ahoy, hoy.